Hello and welcome. You've tuned into Active Listening with T4 Tactics. I'm Marco Galbraith, your host, and our podcast is all about personal success and networking. We'll discuss small business tips, health and wellness issues, personal safety tips, financial gain, and a variety of other topics from professionals in the field. And once in a while, we'll throw in our area of expertise, firearm safety and active shooter response for businesses, churches, and schools. So sit back, relax, listen, and learn. Active listening with T4 Tactics. Marco Galbraith here with T4 Tactics. You're listening to Active Listing. The latest count, a dozen cities have hit their all-time high of violent crime. It's December 9th, 2021. They're all-time high for violent crime. <clears throat> this morning I was listening to uh, Virginia Talk Radio, The Morning Jam with Mark and Janet. And I like listening to them because you get the inside story. The media puts out one story but you get the inside story, the backstory to what really happened. You get the truth. So, uh, so I enjoy listening to them. If you're local in, uh, in here in Virginia, it's uh, 100.9. It's um, WIQO, but it's uh, the Morning Jam. You can you can live stream it, Virginia Talk Radio, um, and hear it from anywhere. But uh, you can tune into that because you hear some some uh, some pretty interesting stuff. So they were playing a soundbite this morning from uh, Fox News, and it was uh, a Rochester homicide detective, um, Frank Umbro, and he was being interviewed by uh, Martha McCollum on what he feels could be responsible for the absolutely huge spike in violent crime. I'm going to play the soundbite from you for Fox, and uh, I could not agree with him more. He is spot on accurate. Listen to what he has to say. What is the heart of it, in your opinion? You've been on the force for 29 years. What's happening? Uh, you know, it's, it's chaos right now. And to put your hand and put your finger on one thing and say, this is the problem, you can't do that. There, there's a lot of different reasons why this is happening. You have children having children. You got poor family structures, poor school systems, uh, lack of programs to help kids who get in trouble with the law at an early age, inefficient judicial system, uh, you know, failure to provide individuals who are incarcerated with the tools that they need to succeed once they get out. You have terrible probation and parole policies right now that fail to help with reintegration. Uh, you know, lack of financial support. You know, to crime labs, district attorneys' offices, and obviously police departments. There's there's zero empathy for victims of crime today, especially here in New York State. You know, and this is shown by the the lack of legislation to help protect the victims and the witnesses. And this includes catch and release policies. And probably one of the biggest reasons is a lack of proactive policing right now, which is a direct result of a lack of support from politicians, as well as irresponsible reporting you know, by some media outlets. Okay, so there you have it. Let's break it down and, and make sure that we're all absolutely clear on what he said. He makes some really great points. Me being a retired cop, uh, you know, even a supervisor, and I worked in a lot of community events a lot of uh, community work, he, he's dead on accurate to do something about it. So the first one he said was children having children. We need to have programs. Programs are needed to educate and keep the kids busy with positive growth activities. Around the late 90s, my police department opened uh, the city gym. 
And every every Saturday night from 6 to 10, the cops would play basketball. Some of us would referee, some of us would play. But this typically drew the kids from the Section 8 housing and the kids were at most risk to be offenders. This gave the youth a time to have a positive relationship with the officers and vice versa. The officers volunteered their off-duty time to make this work and it was a huge success. For just the four years I volunteered in that program, I can't imagine how many lives we changed and even who knows how many lives we've saved. But you need to have programs to keep these kids busy. They don't have a focus. A lot of them don't have a focus. The mom and dad, if there's a if there's a traditional, traditional family structure, the mom and dad are both working, or if it's just mom at home, the mom is out working. So we need to have programs, not just the basketball, you know, basketball games I was talking about on Saturday night, but we need to have other programs to keep these kids, kids busy and to give them some direction we got poor family structure. We know that. There's broken homes. There's no fathers in the household to show our young men how to be just that. Young, productive, hardworking, and respectable men. Boys need that. Boys need a man to look up to. This is where program like, you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and other outreach uh, programs are critical. Same thing. Uh, you know, a young girl needs a older woman that's dialed in to tell her this is not proper behavior. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. We've got poor, poor school systems, as he said. We need to raise teacher pay. They're molding our kids. They, the teachers, are molding our kids. And if we don't have the best of the best involved in the development of our youth, youth we fail. You know, we're also teaching the wrong values and ideologies. And yes, many schools are teaching racism and division. And I'm not teaching, I'm not talking about racism as in, um, okay, um, you know, blacks are bad, blacks are bad. No, it's the other way around. And that's not productive for schools. You're teaching hate. It needs to be right down the middle and get on a level playing field. We talk about CRT. Let's get rid of that. Amongst other things, the, the, a lot of the schools, unfortunately, have an agenda to mold people the way that they're supposed, the way they think they're supposed to be molded. And that's not the way to do it. They're tweaking history. They're removing history. And that's where we're going to get bitten sooner or later. So we need to put some money into our school systems and make sure that our school systems are dialed in and doing the right thing that they should be doing for our kids. Right here in, in um, Lynchburg, Virginia area, we had some, some teachers that were completely mistreating some kids their students that they're charged to protect and do the right thing with, they were mentally and I would say physically because of the, the, the way they were treated, mistreating them because they hadn't had the vaccine or they're not wearing a mask. You know, it goes back to that personal choice. And, and I, I think kids need to follow rules in schools. But when those rules are not fair or unconstitutional and the teachers use the upper hand to do what's wrong to those kids, we got problems. He talked about lack of programs that help kids get into trouble with the law at an early age. Let's go back again to my old department. We had a JCC program. It was called the Juvenile Civil Citation Program. It was based on officer discretion, but an officer, basically what it would is an officer could issue an offending juvenile a civil citation for a minor nonviolent offense. So this gave the juvenile and parents the opportunity to have their kid wash cars at the police department on the weekend, clean up a park, work with the Parks and Recreation Department or, or other city services. They could be given, we gave them anywhere from eight hours to 20 hours, depending on what they were doing. Um, but this was done to, kept their, to keep their original offense in-house 
and at our police department. So the, the huge plus for the kids and the parents on this was, you know, an officer finds two kids fighting in the park. Okay, nobody's seriously injured or they find them skipping school or they find them in possession of alcohol or, or uh, cigarettes. <clears throat> Instead of arresting them and now they've got to go to court, they're in the juvenile justice system, we would handle all of it internally. If they did their hours and they didn't reoffend for another year, all that paperwork was, was filed away and, and it's not held against them. So they kind of have a... a um, uh, another chance that you get a, it's not a first strike issue where you, you strike one time and you're out. Now you're in the system and you start dwindling down from there because we've seen that happen. So none of that paperwork went to the prosecutor's office and unless again, they failed to do their end of the bargain. This gave them the opportunity to realize, you know what? I screwed up. I'm not going to do it again. This program worked because it put a bond to the police officers and these young juvenile offenders that, hey, this cop cares about me. He's going to give me a juvenile civil citation rather than put me in the back of the car, take me to the station. Now I got to go to court. Now I'm in the system and we know how that goes. That's not really efficient. We've got inefficient jail systems. In many cities, the wrong people are in charge. Low bail for violent offenses Prosecutors and judges not properly handling cases and victims' rights are not in the best interest of the court or the prosecutor. He talked about failure to provide uh, people in jail with proper tools they need to succeed when they get out. This goes back to funding, training, and employee issues. Maybe the programs are in place, but funding and employee retention and training are making them sit dormant. We put somebody in jail at a young age. We're going to have them sit in a cell for six months or a couple years, whatever their sentence is, let them out and go. No, and, and, let me, and let me clarify, there are a lot of jails and prisons that have work programs that are geared to bettering that person when they come out. If they're a drug dealer on the street and you put them in jail for two years and don't rehabilitate them by showing them a trade or a skill, what are they gonna come back out and do? They're gonna do what they know how to do to survive. So if we can teach them a trade or a skill while they're in prison or doing their jail time, and then when they come out, we have a program to place them. And there are a lot of businesses in this country that will gladly take a convicted felon or somebody convicted of misdemeanors that's gotten out of jail or prison, and they will bring them in and allow them to work. So I don't want to hear that, oh, I'm a felon, I can't get a job. Yeah, you can, because I know of a lot of businesses uh, in Daytona Beach, where I'm from, that would take these people and give them a second shot and give them a decent job with decent pay. <clears throat> um, we've got terrible probation and parole, parole programs that are failing. Right here in Virginia, it is a complete nightmare. And I'm hoping after January 15th, the new governor is going to come in and, and, uh, and fix that problem. But there's no checking to hold them accountable. They're letting people out on parole or probation way too soon when they have not served even nearly enough of their time that they were sentenced to. And we know how that goes. A lot of these offenders that were let out too early across the country have been let out. They reoffend with a violent crime. A couple of them have committed homicides and uh, now they're now they're back out. So the rule book says you don't let them out, but evidently they're not following the rule book. We've got lack, he talked about lack of funding to crime labs, district attorney's offices, and police departments. The DA's office is the prosecutor's office. 
if you if you don't have proper funding for a crime lab let's say we have a sexual battery with a possible suspect but we're going to wait till we get the dna back to to concrete that case further before we make an arrest sometimes these cases take cases to get the dna back even on a dui accident where we're, we're waiting for blood to come back they can take a long long time so with more funding to crime labs we can get these these forensic uh, tests back and get these people under arrest, put in jail, and or handle the situation a lot easier. So they're just sitting way too long. The prosecutor's offices are understaffed and they're underfunded, just like the police departments. Police departments are having a, a very difficult time hiring and retaining qualified officers. I sit on a local hiring board, actually two local hiring boards in the area. <clears throat> you would not believe the people that are come in and applying for jobs to be police officers it is absolutely let me just say it's absolutely um how am i going to say this nice you know they're, they're trying to get a job but here i don't know how to say it nice but they have no business walking through that front door um to apply for a police officer's job when you show up to apply for a police officer's job and you haven't shaved in three or four days you've got an earring you've got jeans and a t-shirt and flip-flops on, you're not dressed accordingly, that's showing that you're not professional, you're not taking it serious. So um, it, they're having a hard time finding police. And it goes back to the cops and the law enforcement agencies are being targeted continuously by the media and by certain community groups. Nobody wants to be a cop anymore. Why should I? Because I'm, everything I do is gonna be wrong and it's gonna be criticized. Look at Facebook, look at social media. There's a lot of people out there with law degrees from the University of Facebook, and they attack the police through media or social media or lawsuits. Um, so we gotta get our police departments in line. Our police department is the last line of defense, and we better address this issue, or we're gonna see a lot more than just 12 states reporting record high violent crimes in this country. Just in Lynchburg, if you follow the, the news here in Lynchburg, Virginia, and even in Roanoke, Look at the amount of shootings and shootouts that we're having in our local areas. Downtown area just had a shootout between uh, supposedly two rival gangs, just shooting at each other, hitting surrounding businesses, bullets going through glass and being stuck in walls. Uh, and we can't allow that to go on. We need a proactive police department that's going to stomp their foot, go out and find these boys and, uh, and handle that situation. He talked about a lack of legislation to protect victims and witnesses. We've seen it in the past two months where witnesses and jurors have been tampered with or intimidated. These are state statutes. There's state statutes for this. Uh, witness tampering, tampering with a victim, witness, or informant. Uh, most states, they're a felony. So why are we not prosecuting these people that are standing on the courthouse steps with megaphones threatening the jurors of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial or the Ahmad Aubrey trial in Georgia, why aren't we why aren't we handling this? And you know what? When we don't do this, when we don't handle it accordingly, we set ourselves up for the next event because we're giving them a green light. Recently here um, in the Lynchburg, Virginia area, we had a business that was attacked uh, by it was a racial issue and, and BLM was involved and and uh, they were smashing windows and and completely destroying this business and our law enforcement just took a very passive submissive approach to it well guess what happened the next two nights at a local park as a result of that they're shooting at the police armored vehicle and they're shooting at police cars why because you gave them a green light 
to act out on the first night when they were when they were destroying this business. Had that been shut down and we showed certain people that we're not going to tolerate that in our community, then that's where we stop it. But by allowing, and we're seeing this, I'm just talking about Lynchburg, we're seeing this all across the country where police, for whatever reason that I can't wrap my head around, are standing down, whether they're being told to by their bosses, by the state capitol, uh, by politicians, but whatever. It's uh, Let me tell you, times have changed because in, in my day, I've been retired since 2007. In my day, we would have come in there, and, and I'm not talking about beating people up. I'm not talking about being um, police brutality, but I am talking about bringing in surrounding agencies and start making arrests. Let them know this is not gonna be tolerated. And, and I say that for the business owners and the residents in the community. We deserve more from our police departments. We really, really do. We deserve to be protected. He talked about a lack of proactive policing. There's no support from lawmakers. Here in Virginia, no more stopping people for minor equipment violations. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many dangerous people I remove from the streets just simply because they have a tag light or a headlight out? I pull them over and run their name and they come back a, 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 a person that's wanted for homicide or armed robbery or armed carjacking, home invasion, uh, aggravated domestic violence. So those are a tool for law enforcement it's a tool to use police have the discretion here's what the lawmakers failed to to realize a police officer has the discretion to issue a verbal warning or write a ticket for those offenses you don't have to write everybody you pull over a ticket but it's a tool if somebody's committing a traffic violation you pull them over you run their name everything comes back okay you let them go have a nice night fix the taillight or fix your headlight before you have an accident, or do get better tires, your tires are bald. That keeps you and me safe. That's just a small example of how the police have their hands tied, completely tied, and, and, and there's a lot more examples that we could give, but there's a lot of laws that are working against the police, and we've got to change that. So in closing, how do we fix that? What do we do? Do you just listen to this podcast and not do anything? Oh, I know what you could do. You could get on social media and put a post out there. Let everybody know how tough and angry you are. Friends, that is not doing anything, anything. You need to go to your police departments and ask them, how can we support you? You need to go into these different communities. A lot of these communities have support locations. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white. We have got to come together as a people we've got to put race behind us if you look at the news if you really listen to the news they put bug buzzwords in there black man white man white police officer did this to a black man but when they say an armed robbery that occurred especially in our area in the lynchburg area the news will put out if it's a black man the news will put out it was a male 511 wearing a gray hoodie jeans and a t-shirt see they don't want to stir it up like that that should tell you more than anything in the world that they're trying to stir it up so my black friends my white friends asian friends hispanics middle eastern friends we have all absolutely got to come together stop watching the news and listening to the news especially our local station here they like to stir it up they get paid for clicks they get paid for comments they get paid for viewers 
They're going to say things to get you to watch it in the next newscast. So wrapping up this podcast, go do something. Go see how you can help some of these communities that need help. Go in there and help them. Do the right thing. Start talking to your your lawmakers, your politicians, and let them know. Call them and ask them, what are you doing about this? The whole reason why I'm doing this is Lynchburg, Virginia, where I'm at, is starting to get completely out of control with violence. And there's no such thing as gun violence. Just like there's no such thing as car violence. There's no such thing as scissor violence. There's no such thing as baseball bat violence. So it's human violence. And we have to control that. So go go back and listen to those points that I made, the, the, the detective made, and pick one of them out and see what you can do to help fix the problem in your community. Sitting back and doing Facebook posts or listening to a podcast or commenting on social media is not doing anything. Go get involved. You know, go get involved in your school board too, because that's a huge problem in this area. If you want to comment on this, I'm going to post it the link on Facebook. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, T4 Tactics or Marco Galbraith, um, feel free to comment. We'll open a dialogue. If I said anything on here that makes you absolutely enraged, come on in and we'll talk about it on a podcast. We will definitely talk about it on a podcast. Hope everybody enjoyed listening. It's Active Listening with T4 Tactics. Be safe, reduce injuries, and save lives. Take care, everyone.